Quantifying Construction and Climate. Welcome to Construction and the Climate. This is a podcast series from 39 Essex Chambers with me, Camilla Tahar and Ruth Keating. In this podcast series, we'll be discussing the big climate issues affecting the construction sector. Today, we're joined by Dan Miles. Dan is an experienced chartered quantity surveyor and testifying expert witness with over 15 years of experience working on high value complex disputes and has given evidence on multiple occasions in various international arbitrations. He specialises in the provision of quantum advice and opinion in mediation, adjudication, arbitration and litigation. Dan also lectures at both Stuttgart University and Derby University on contract administration and assessment of quantum and delays in disputes in a number of courses. Before becoming a quantity surveyor, Dan worked as a geophysicist with experience in both land and marine-based techniques, as well as providing remote sensing services. So welcome to the podcast, Dan. Thank you very much. Good morning, Dan. Given your extensive experience in providing quantum advice and opinion in mediation, adjudication, arbitration and litigation, what are some of the key challenges you've faced in quantifying damages in complex disputes? The issue always with a complex dispute is trying to establish the causation between the loss and the entitlement from which the assessment needs to flow. And in relation to climate change, I would suggest that what we're seeing is actually a growth in that complexity. What you always have as a claiming party is you know what your loss is. The loss is always the easy part. To quantify anybody who is running a profit loss account on any project will instantly have a feeling what their problems are. But establishing that element of causation, whilst always having been a challenge in construction, is probably an increasing area where as that complexity grows due to the causes and the allocation of risk between the parties, trying to make sure that any assessment you're producing is, can be linked back to that breach is probably the highest area of concern at the moment. So Dan, related to that, how has climate change impacted the construction industry so far as your work and how do you see it impacting your work in the future more and more? Yes, yeah, so climate change, I was, there's probably two strands to this in relation to how it impacts our work. Number one is a kind of a direct linkage in terms of causing events on site and causing losses directly impacting the process of construction. And the second one is largely more an employer-driven change, which is where we're seeing the emerging markets and emerging technologies being specified and now being implemented within the construction process. So there's probably two sources of additional growth in dispute and additional growth in quantification. So if we take those kind of separately, we take first of all the direct impacts on site. What we're now talking about is things like, for example, the weather. Very easy within the NEC type form of contract where we have the one in 10 year weather event, but climate change is now completely skewing our data historically in terms of those one in 10 year events. So rather than a one in 10 year event, go back 10 years, ideally happening once every 10 years, that's the point of the statistics. We're now seeing a kind of a skewing in the bell curve. So at the moment we're experiencing one in 10 year weather events happening more often. Conversely, it's slightly easy with the NEC because there's a very clear delineation of responsibilities for those events. But if we now take contracts that have a slightly less defined terminology in terms of quantification, FIDIC or the JCT, where we're now trying to assess items like inclement weather or adverse weather, suddenly an item which, reasonably speaking, would have been unexpected and entirely inclement and adverse 10 years ago, again, it's becoming far more of a norm. So 
that side of climate change is impacting where you assess your baseline to be from which you then assess that transfer of risk between the parties. Conversely, if we're now talking about instructions and an awareness of climate change and an awareness of needing to be carbon neutral and reduce our human impact on climate, we're now discussing clients more specifying or adopting new technologies, adopting new ways of power generation, for example, with regards to our renewables, or requiring equipment to be used on site now to be fitted with new technology to reduce emissions. Uh, we've been involved recently with some marine contracts where we've seen the requirement for marine vessels to be fitted either with a reduction in emission output or with electric engines. This generates two interesting areas for quantification. Number one, where we have variations and additional claims, they tend to cost more because this technology costs a lot more. And you wouldn't notice that within the initial tender price because you've specified it, you've got tenders in from competing contractors and you're awarding it based upon your award criteria. But when it comes to variations and claims, suddenly the individual costs of these decisions become very obvious and very stark because you're now assessing the time-related impact on this new piece of machinery or the cost of importing it and mobilization of that equipment. And that then causes a tension that suddenly you can see what the cost of the specification equals and the question of reasonableness, mitigation, and to what extent these additional increases in cost now become appropriate. And again, which party has to bear those costs? The other side, of course, is that when you are now emerging technologies, solar farms, for example, offshore wind, when they don't deliver the sales pitch, trying to assess the loss and whose responsibility that is becomes a new problem. Solar farms in particular have been an interesting growth market for disputes where they're not yielding the power outputs and therefore not generating the revenue that would have been expected. So if we're now trying to assess that, again, we have to consider the baseline and liabilities and entitlement. The loss is easy. We know what we should have achieved as an output, but now we're not achieving it. But how much is that down to not achieving the levels of sunlight expected? How much is that due to windborne dust that's now impacting the effectiveness of the panels, the maintenance, the local climatic conditions versus the solar panels aren't delivering the outputs originally anticipated within the specification and now not actually delivering the requirements or showing a drop off in yield over a period of time. And of course, we're now back in discussing life cycle costing and life cycle outputs and the overall revenue to be generated from a project. So that again is yielding a whole new interesting field of claims and quantification because we don't yet have established technologies, established baselines and the easy ability to just cross-reference to a comparable project to then base the claim analysis back to. So that was a very long-winded answer to your very short question. Dan, I think that's brilliant and I think it flags a lot of the difficulties that you see in these kind of projects. As you see, I like that you've almost divided them into two buckets. On the one hand, you know, you have the fact that climate change itself is producing new issues like extreme weather events and how do we assess that? And then on the other hand, to deal with that mitigation and adaptation, we're having to have new kinds of technology that people aren't used to getting to grips with. Sometimes you have disputes where you can deal with both of those difficult questions separately. Sometimes you have disputes where you have both of those difficulties together and then you have a really difficult case. So I think you've drawn that out really well. So Dan, as you say there, we're seeing more and more of these climate related issues. We have the mitigation adaptation issues 
We have the prevalence of extreme weather events. And added to all of that, we have these new technology difficulties that can arise. Now, you said earlier, and I think it's very true, that generally in complex disputes, the biggest difficult for quant- difficulty for quantification is causation. Do you think in the context of these kinds of disputes, so the intersection of climate change and construction, that causation issue is still the primary challenge? Or do you think there are other additional challenges that really compound that difficulty? So taking that kind of question, really, there's always been a tension within construction between a contractor, which is, of course, seeking to achieve a profit and needs to make a profit to remain in business, versus a employer who will have to select at the output of procurement their priorities over quality, cost and time. And generally, any employer will start with they want everything. But in truth, within different projects, you're going to have a different priority, which will govern your procurement options. But at the moment, everybody is aware of the growth of climate change and everybody is aware of the additional adverse impacts that can bring on the construction process. And this is now leading employers to consider that risk profile and those priorities during the procurement process. And therefore, we're starting to see an increase, it's always been there, but there's definitely a growth in seeking to transfer more of these climate-related risks down the supply chain onto the contractors. Now, where you're trying to pass risk down and these two things will happen. Number one, a contractor will try to price that risk and mitigate the risk within the tender price. But where the commercial part of of the procurement process is, is prevalent in the employer's mind, you're still going to be awarding contracts that not necessarily for the lowest tenderer, but a tenderer towards the lower end of the tenders received, which generally implies the contractor hasn't fully allowed for that risk within its price. So where the risk then manifests itself on site, a contractor will seek to bring claims to recover its cost. So the causation problem is trying to disentangle the elements of risk transferred to the contractor from the elements of risk and uh, liability that remain with the employer. And as we're seeing a growth in these climate-related impacts, and to quote one of my colleagues, you come to a situation of the question of which bean made you fart. So we know we have many competing causes or causation for the additional loss, but trying to disentangle those to establish the actual loss becomes where the complexity resides and where the problem is. Dan, you talk about everyone being aware of the growth of climate change and complexity involved and allocation of risks. And we've spoken on this podcast with people from other parts of the industry about the importance of upskilling and training yourself to be able to deal with new issues that will face the industry as it adapts to climate change. How well do you think the industry is prepared for those challenges and are the tools there? I've always felt very privileged and very lucky to have worked firstly within construction and then secondly within the dispute world. And construction provides this wonderful industry to work within because it's completely polarised in the fact that on one hand it's a very old industry. Construction has been around for an extremely long time and many of what the techniques and the products that we use every day in construction have been around again for an equal long period of time. Concrete is a great example. Depending on how you define concrete, we can go back to Rome, we can go back to ancient Greece, and we can see examples of the starting genesis for what we now call concrete being used in the construction in those times. But by the same token, construction has always evolved, and construction is always an industry that's going to be at the forefront 
of technology whether it's now in relation to power generation, new technology emerging in terms of bridge construction, if we go back to the Industrial Revolution and Isambard and Brunel and those kind of real technological advances happening within construction, it's always been an industry that is developing, evolving and progressing. So it's very easy today to poke holes and point fingers at where we're not ready for the emerging technologies. But in truth, the industry is always going to be responsive to the employers because that's where the money flows from. And as employers, whether it's now energy generation, whether it is infrastructure, housing, insulation, renewable products, as the specifications and the employers specify and require these new technologies to be used, the industry will respond and the industry is going to develop. And yes, we need to upskill. And people will constantly upskill. Everybody in any professional charter position or regulated industry is constantly developing their skills and upskilling. And the industry is full of information and people are developing their skill set. I think that's one of the best bits of the industry that we work in. And it also flows that into the dispute side. And again, if we just look at the changes over the last five years okay admittedly some of these have been hastened by covid but the move the fact that we now have in arbitration cmc is now regularly happening over teams or zoom we've now seen a move away from fully paper bundles into now electronic bundles so the whole industry is constantly developing for us and with the early use now of ai with regards to document review and production it's going to continue developing and it's going to continue moving forward because we have to and construction always has, and I think it always will do. So yes, we need to upskill, but I think people are. Dan, I think that's very well drawn out from, you know, the very beginning that, you know, we have this development of our understanding of the construction industry, you know, all the way back from Roman times. So I think that's an inspiring message for people to hear, because the point is that, you know, of course, people need to upskill and we need to develop new skills, but that isn't an insurmountable difficulty that the industry has never overcome before. Related to that, that makes me think of expert evidence. So, of course, expert evidence is very much an area where our understanding of different techniques is constantly developing. And that is often reflected in the evidence that people have before the court, that there are different ways of doing things. You, of course, Dan, uh, for your sins, do act as an expert witness (laughs) as well. No doubt you have some more stories for us, maybe for another time. What role do you think expert witnesses play in terms of climate change related construction disputes? For me, the role of the expert witness is critical across the board in terms of disputes and the importance of the expert in climate change related construction disputes should be no different to the role of the expert in any other dispute at all. The role of the expert is to actually provide tribunals, judges, the independent third parties with the information that they need to actually justly resolve the dispute before them. It's not our job to tell the tribunal or the judge what the law is, there's no way we're ever going to be experts in that. It's not our job to advance the position of any one particular party. We're not there, therefore, to tell the judge on a moral stance about the impact of climate or anything else. It's the parties present the dispute and it's our role to provide the information that the judge needs to come to that conclusion. Any judge or tribunal member is there to be their own expert in terms of the resolution of a dispute. They're not there to be experts in geophysics or quantum or what the flood level of a river should be or the hydrology. 
the role of the expert is therefore to provide that technical information to facilitate the resolution disputes. The system falls down when the experts stop performing that role. So for me, the role of the expert, again, is a great privilege and a critical role to the just resolution of disputes within construction. Thank you very much, Dan. Well, it's been great to have your perspective this morning on this issue, particularly coming from a role of the expert. And thank you very much for joining us on the podcast. Thank you very much. At 39 Essex Chambers, we cover a vast array of practice areas and sectors. You can find out more about our expertise and our barristers at 39essex.com, where you can also see our extensive catalogue of articles, podcasts and webinars. Thank you.